welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Hi, my name's Teresa Merrick and I'm one of the founders of Hope Church Glasgow. And I was asked to tell a bit of my story about how we moved from Newcastle-upon-Tyne to Glasgow as part of our roots and our heritage. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm doing it on a podcast because I briefly touched at it on Sunday the 9th of January, but um, there wasn't really time to unpack it and go into more detail. So you can listen to this instead. You've got a taster. Uh, The first thing I want to say is in the Old Testament, uh, God's kingdom was geographic and it was restricted to one group, one country and one people group, the Israelites. And the story that God used to speak to me so powerfully was in the Old Testament. So it's geographic. In the New Testament, Jesus changed everything in order to fulfill God's original plan to include all nations and all people groups in his kingdom. Uh, it is no longer geographic and it's he wants the whole, every person of every nation to know him. So, my story. In 1990 to 2005, in, there was a great emphasis on church planting in the network of churches we were in. I didn't pay any attention to this really because I had no intention of moving to church plant ever again. I'd settled my family. We were all quite cosy and comfy where we were in Newcastle. But you know when God keeps bringing a word and you just get that slight nudge that you should at least consider what he's got to say on the subject. And it got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore and I thought I'd risked being disobedient to Daddy God. So, one morning me and Daddy God had a very one-sided discussion where I gave Daddy God a 20-page dossier that was all in my head of all the very good reasons why... Uh, we couldn't move house again to church plant all the areas that he clearly hadn't considered and taken into consideration i found when i have these discussions with daddy god he is not phased at all in the least by it and he sits very kindly and just lets me blether on uh, with this loving smile on his face and uh, often doesn't say anything at all Um, And this was the case then. I felt heard. I felt that he'd heard my heart and I moved on. And um, there were some real facts in my argument. So I'd got children in the middle school and in high school doing O-levels, A-levels, which are the equivalent of your highest here. There's a good youth work for my 17, 15, 13 and 11-year-old children. We were in walking distance of the school and we'd just done a major house renovation. Um, We'd taken a house that was a bit of a wreck and refurbished it and we now lived in a six-bedroom, two-bathroomed house, which was very big. Uh, But the major reason that I really wasn't open to church planting is because I'd done it before and I knew how hard it was. So my response to God was, find someone who's young, inspired, naive and stupid and doesn't realise how hard it is and talk to them about church planting. I know how hard it is. Don't talk to me about it. Anyway, months later, I'm reading my Bible reading programme. And when I do that, I always imagine myself in the story. 
I'd recommend you do that whenever you're reading your Bible. And on quietly reading away, no recollection or memory whatsoever of the previous discussion I'd had with Daddy God. Because the case was closed as far as I was concerned. And I was reading from Numbers 13 about God's people uh, who had been enslaved in Egypt. And in for 400 years they had been promised that they would have their own land and that was a verse that Andy actually covered today which was let me just look it up it was from Deuteronomy and it's it's said but the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land that the Lord your God cares for and the eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, and he goes, God goes on to talk about how he will bless them in the land, it'll have lots of rain and it'll have the blessing of God so their crops will grow and they can prosper and be great. It was a mainly agricultural society then and he's talking to them about how he's going to bless their um, fields and sheep and all that kind of thing so that was the verse God gave to this people hundreds of years before they were enslaved by the Egyptians and uh, so they've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years they exit Egypt miraculously being led by a guy called Moses and God did some incredible supernatural events so that the people that had enslaved them would let them go and it included 10 plagues that were sent upon the people. They escaped Egypt and as they were exiting God protected them supernaturally. They crossed through a large Red Sea uh, where it says the waters piled up like walls either side, and they got through the sea the other side, only to watch the Egyptians and all their chariots follow the same path through the sea, and then the sea to collapse on them and kill all their enemies, so that there was no way they could ever be enslaved again by the Egyptians. God wanted his people free, and he intended to deal with that permanently, so that that could be the case. When they got into the new land, they wanted to send spies out into the land. So they chose 12 reputable men from the group of people and sent them out. They went out and after 40 days, they came back and they reported back to everyone what they'd seen. And this is some of the things they said. Remember my reasons why we couldn't possibly church plant all that time before and they said we are not going to be able to go up against this people for they're too strong for us so they let gave the israelites a bad report about the land which they'd spied out saying the land through which we went in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great stature and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. I thought that was interesting. The way they perceived themselves influenced how they saw situations, 
but also how other people perceive them, which is a fascinating discussion for another day. So Teresa's take home point, don't be a grasshopper in your own sight. The people believe this report because it was from 10 reputable leaders and they began to wail and cry. Now, there was two other men who'd gone with them called Joshua and Caleb and their report was quite different. They said, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and he will give us it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. As I was reading these verses... I just thought, cool, that's a lot like my objections to my children. Um, That's what I was saying, was that if we moved, they would get devoured. You know, their exams wouldn't go well. They would be removed from a youth group. It would be difficult for them. They'd be destroyed if we moved, was basically what I was saying to God. I I thought, that's interesting. That's a bit like me. And I read on. And these people get so angry with Moses, Aaron, and these two spies, Joshua and Caleb, that they decide the only thing they're going to do is kill them. Well, God steps in and protects them, but gets really angry with the people because they tried to kill Moses. And Moses intercedes, asks God to forgive them all, which he does, But there are ongoing consequences for them not obeying what God has said to them and for how they treat Moses, Aaron, Joshua and Caleb. And as I continued to read on this passage in Numbers 14, I realised the huge consequences was for their children. Because these children that they said would be devoured had to roam around the desert for 40 years, not achieving their purpose, their destiny, or the plan of God for them. And they literally had to wait for their parents' generation to die off. Because one of the consequences of them not obeying God is God turns around to them and he says, these children that you said will be devoured, they will be the ones that take the land. God says to them in Numbers 14 verse 31 your children however whom you said would become prey i will bring them in and they will know the land which you have rejected so why was there was huge consequences for their unbelief did god see their reasons as being reasonable and considerate no he saw it as disbelief why because they had forgotten all the amazing things god had done for them the ten plagues that he brought them through, parting the Red Sea so that the walls, water piled up every side um, like walls. And when they'd crossed, the Egyptian army chariots followed them and the waters closed over them and it drowned the Egyptian army chariots and all and says not one man survived. It was a may they'd seen major miraculous interventions again and again, never mind the manner in the desert and other things. And God also he made it impossible for the Egyptians ever to kill or enslave them ever again. And it's a great picture of water baptism um, 
for those of you who are interested in that kind of thing. Did he see their objections as reasonable? No, not at all. Their children are a huge legacy in God, just like your children do. Your spiritual children have a huge legacy in God. They carry our promises, the promises of generations that have gone before us, our rich Christian heritage in this country and our history in God, all going all the way back to Genesis. And as I'm reading through, me and God, when we had our initial discussion, God was very quiet, remember, and sitting, just listening to me very kindly. And I felt fully heard and understood. And as I was reading this passage, I was very quiet and it felt like Daddy God was sharing his heart with how he perceives situations. And I realised those children couldn't fulfil their destiny in God because they were stuck in the desert, following their parents around, waiting for them to die before they could move into the land and take the land because God said it was the children who were going to possess the land, not the parents. When I saw a huge effect the parents' disbelief had on their children and on their children's children, I was grieved and heartbroken. Because like any healthy parent, I want my children, my spiritual children, everybody in my church, in churches around us, in Glasgow, in Scotland, in the UK, to prosper, to do well. I want their part, my children, their partners, their children, my grandchildren. Did I say I'd got 11 grandchildren? My 11 grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. I want all of them to fulfil their destiny in God. I want my children and my spiritual children to be like Moses, Paul, Rahab, Esther, Ruth, Lord Wilberforce, Florence Nightingale. To be like the giants of God that have gone before us. And I realised my attitude, my unbelief could completely put an end to all of this. That ended all my arguments there and then about moving to church plant. But it was much more than that, actually. I thought, think back and I've seen miraculous breakthrough. We've seen ladies conceive babies who'd been told they couldn't. We've seen a lady who was a friend who was so physically weak she couldn't bear children. They said, you can't be pregnant, your body won't cope with it. God, she was a resolute woman of faith and God healed her body. And she went on to have eight children. Yes, eight. We've seen all kinds of sicknesses healed. Bad backs, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. We've been given a car. We've been given moneyed so that we could buy houses. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen horrendous situations reversed and God protecting children. We've seen abused wives who are resettled, who are married again to a husband who loves them and values them for who they are and seen them completely healed. We've, I learned some colossal truths through this that have stood me in good stead, actually, all these years later. 
the very riches, the family, the children, the job, the house, the nice six-bedroom, two-bedroomed house that God actually gave us supernaturally. The day we bought it, I walked into the estate agent and she said, are you a spiritualist or something? I'm like, no, I follow Jesus. She's like, well, you've come in here at exactly the right time and we bought the house. There were those very supernatural breakthroughs that you've seen in God, that I've seen in God. They can be the excuse for not being open to the next thing God does. Can I ask you, don't do that. The best example we can give our kids is to be passionate about God, about his kingdom and live obedient to him. The best example we can give to fellow members of our church, to our small group, to the churches we're part of, to our extended family, is to love God and love his kingdom and obey him. The second thing was my mum and dad tried to provide for us as best they could, but I learned most of my parenting skills from Daddy God and other inspiring parents. Other Christian parents, I used to go round their homes and just watch how they operated, which when I was a young Christian, I thought it was really weird how they operated. That's not discipline. No violence was involved. How can that be discipline? Which is funny when you look back now. But I was learning all the time. But I can use that skill set, that parenting wisdom. I can use that wisdom And the very children that God's given me as an excuse for not obeying God, for even considering any new challenge he might be bringing my way. I'd also forgotten that God is a far better parent to my children than I will ever be. He has known them from before the foundation of the world, it says in Psalm 139. And he will look after them forever and has made plans before the beginning of time to look after them forever. He gives them to me to invest in, to build, for what, 70 years? Which is like a drop in the ocean in terms of eternity. The other thing I learned is, you have, or for however long God gives you those children, The other thing is you have to let your children walk their own walk of God, courageous in faith and trusting God. Let them have their own adventures in God. Stand with them in faith and in prayer, but don't do it for them. You shouldn't do it for them. With the best will in the world, they need to build their own spiritual history with God, their own stories of how God prevailed for them, their own faith on how God broke through for them. But do pray for the prayer of a righteous woman and man is powerful and effective. And I was just thinking, in this strange world that we're living in in COVID, with new viruses possibly popping up, with not knowing really what life's going to look like, and with fear being the very dominating culture for very obvious reasons. But just remember what Joshua and Caleb said. It says in Numbers that there was a different spirit on them compared to the other ten spies, and there's a different spirit on us. I can be prone to anxiety and uh, um, and depression, actually. 
but the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. God is with us. We have got nothing to fear. We have seen his protection over us over many years and we will see it again. So why for me in particular was being passionate about the church such a strong thing? Why have I spent my life building churches, strengthening leaders of churches? Because I want the churches to be full of giants in God. Because I believe that Jesus transforms our lives totally. Because all the precious people, all the precious events, friends, memories, teams, the giants in God I have known over many years and all the people that I have been prayed by, all I've been prayed for, well, I'm getting that muddled up, people who've prayed for me, all these giants in God that have prayed for me, all these giants in gods I've been privileged to walk in, all the beautiful things I have in my life, and I have a lot, the lovely home, I live in a comfortable place, I have great friends who I admire and love being with, every bit of wisdom, kindness, peace, joy, favour, God gave me, God gave me a great husband, out of all the billions of people that lived on the planet, God get chose to give me those four specific children to me. And their amazing partners were picked before the beginning of time for those children. God has given me 11 grandchildren. Yes, 11. Me and Andy have nearly got our own tribe. <laughs> but also my spiritual children, a lot of whom are adults now and walking and taking great strides in God all by themselves and having great adventures in God. All those giants in God, all those people that were prepared to be discipled and mentored by me, who trusted me, both natural and spiritually gave me. Knowing Jesus brought about such a transformation that meant I could be an outstanding woman of God, an incredible wife, an outstanding mum, a great cook, a terrible seamstress, a fun nana. Everything precious and good and wholesome and lovely, every drop of wisdom, every spot of kindness, God gave me. And I want other people to experience that transformation, to bring hope into people's lives where they can't see any hope, to see when they're convinced things can never change, but there is hope in them that somehow it can be different it can be just get to know Jesus get to know his people so that's what I wanted to share in my story really we did move to church plant in Glasgow and I would love to say it was a walk in the park and it was so easy but it really wasn't it was really difficult for all the family actually and my children had to face challenges that I would never have wished for them, but they did. But do I regret it? No. Funnily enough, I've never regretted obeying God, ever. Even though the consequences sometimes haven't turned out the way I thought. But I've never regretted obeying him.
We still have those discussions from time to time, me and Daddy God, where he's sitting very kindly and patiently and listening with a kind look on his face. And I'm giving him another 20-page dossier on this issue or that issue. And then time will pass. And then I'll be sitting, not thinking about the previous discussion. And then God will sit me down. And I'll sit there with eyes like saucers while he shows me his heart and explains things from his perspective, which always brings about a change of my perspective, obviously. Well, I hope these words can bless you and help you. And as we start a new year and as we go into another year, God is with us. Remember, God is with us. He can do mighty things and he has done mighty things for us. Let's not forget the miracles that we've seen and the breakthroughs that we've seen. God is with us and we have nothing to fear. Be blessed this week, folks. Bye. Thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram, Facebook or search Hope Church Glasgow on your favourite podcast player.